When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the midst of a Western revival, which included big hits like Silverado and Pale Rider, came this 80s flick, a loving parody of the genre and a send-up of Hollywood. It has become a landmark in comedy collaboration starring three comedy legends under the direction of a bona fide comedy movie director with a script co-written by one of its stars and the mastermind of Saturday Night Live. So grab your sombrero and saddle up your horses for a trip to Santa Poco as Danny Johnson and I discuss Three Amigos from 1986 on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback. Let's ride! The Three Amigos. They were the biggest stars of their day. The Three Amigos are history. But that was yesterday. Look, boys, I know showbiz. There's something always turns up. Telegram for the three amigos. Steve Martin. Ah! Chevy Chase. Do you have anything besides Mexican food? Martin Short. The Three Amigos. Throw down your gun. Not you, Dusty. Sorry. Three amigos. I'll come back one day. Why? Hello, movie viewers and movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, and welcome to the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Here we talk about all the great and sometimes not so great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter which 80s flick we choose for each episode, we have a lot of fun sharing memories, discussing our favorite scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and follow 80s Flick Flashback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating. You can also support the show by following us on our social media pages. Just search for 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And go ahead and check out our website, 80sflickflashback.com, for more great 80s content. Now, let's jump right into this episode. Thanks for listening. Find him on social media, comedian Danny Johnson on Facebook or Instagram. Okay, I'll let you cover the social media stuff when okay. we get to that part. But I'll definitely—I I was going to mention the Dry Bar comedy, so I didn't know what else. If you want anything else, you wanted to mention on that one. So, but hey, everybody, welcome in today's episode. So glad to have you. Thanks for tuning in. I'm so excited for this day. Today's episode, we're talking about Three Amigos, and I have a—I would call my first celebrity guest. I've had lots of good friends on the podcast before, but this is the first person that I actually know that uh, you know I would call a celebrity. He may not call himself a celebrity. Maybe he will. I don't know. But it is comedian Danny Johnson. If you've seen his Dry Bar comedy special, that's had thousands of views. 
uh, maybe millions of views, probably millions of views at this point uh, on YouTube, but uh, a wonderful stand-up comedy, also a great guy and glad to have him. Welcome to the show, Danny. How you doing, sir? I'm well. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so and you're glad. right. It's millions. Millions. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm lucky to get thousands. You have millions. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's nothing to do with me. It's that the Drive Bar Comedy platform, you know, yeah. they, they, they have tons of clean comedy specials and they promote it. And like, I want to say uh, between all the streaming platforms that it's on, which is now, it's now going to move to not move. It's going to expand to Amazon Prime, all these oh, cool. others coming up shortly. Very you nice. Know, we're, we're approaching eight, nine, 10 million views, which is wonderful. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. I'm to be here. Yeah, man. So uh, Danny is a stand-up comedian, and I've seen him live a few times. He's always great. And just like this show, he's family-friendly. He's clean comedy. So uh, it's good for the whole family to, to sit down and, and watch and listen to. And uh, But it's great to have him on the, on the show. And he's also an 80s movie lover, which is always a good oh, thing yeah. to be on this this episode. So uh, I'll let Danny pick this episode, and I was excited because this is one I've been wanting to cover for a while. So we're going to talk about Three Amigos from <laughs> 1986. So, uh, so Danny, when was the first time you saw Three Amigos? You know what? So I watched it last night, right? Um, yeah. I've, I've seen it before, obviously. And I honestly couldn't think of another time that I saw it other than when it came out. Really? Wow. Yeah. So not even, you know, you're, how you're flicking through channels, you TBS or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to say that I watched it sometime. I didn't go to the theater to see it because I was, right. I don't know, 13 or 14. Yeah. I want to say I saw it shortly after on like TV, whenever it came on TV, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. last night and I was like, first of all, so excited that you invited me on here. You know, <laughs> I'm a huge comedy fan. And when you said 80s movies to pick a few and I, I just went right to comedies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't expect anything else. I wasn't expecting, you know. Uh, the Shining or uh, right. anything super heavy, like No Way Out, you know, some deep political thriller. And I have been, wa- I've been watching um, this show on Hulu with Steve Martin and Martin, yeah. and Martin Short. The, yeah. Was it yeah. Murder in the Building or whatever? Yeah. O- only Murders in the Building. Yeah. 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 Which is it's just fairly entertaining. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like three amigos. Oh my gosh. I have not seen, I want to see this movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and talk about it. So I, it, it's been since let's just say 88, 89, maybe. Okay. Yeah. And then yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I saw this in the theater either. Um, I'm pretty sure this was a VHS rental. And I think like watching it again today, uh, when I watched it again, I was like, I can see why this did well on the video and yeah. cable market because it's it it's it's kind of a hodgepodge of a lot of different things and so moviegoers may not have gotten it in in a theater yeah. setting but it it fits so well for like just at home viewing and i i enjoyed it yeah and yeah. i want it, you're probably you're definitely right with the vhs it was probably a rental because i don't think they put movies on tv that quickly back then yeah yeah so it had to be a rental mhm yeah. yeah and i'm 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 sure it played on cable pretty regularly too i mean anything especially back then anything that was pg got like you know multiple you know multiple times during the day and during the week because they were holding off the r-rated stuff till the evening so i probably saw it on video and then anytime i was on cable i was probably watching it but i had just watched this last year because there was a friend of mine when we were living in jacksonville him and his he's got a, four sons i think and uh they were all from ages like four to like 15 at the time we were there. And he was like his 10, 12 year old boys. They would, he, he'd watched it one time with them and they just cracked up laughing. And so he's like, that was like their go-to like comedy movie. Right. And he had talked it up. I was like, Oh man, I, I had, and it had been, a, it had had to have been 10, 15 years since I'd seen it at that point. And right. it came up in another conversation with somebody else like a year ago. And I was like, man, I need to find it. And it was coming on one of the cable channels, probably with the commercials and I just set my DVR to record it and went back and watched it a couple of days later. And I was still laughing and one, even watched it today. It still holds up. A lot of the yeah. comedy still holds up, which any great comedy is going to hold up after the years for sure. I can't get my son. He's 15 now. I can't get him to watch any old movies. He's like, the graphics really? are horrible. I'm like, it's not really graphics. Son. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Older movie. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. And funny, this one... here, here's a funny, a cute story. Yeah, go a for side it. Side note to, for, to a different movie real quick. You've seen Tommy Boy, right? Mm, mm-hmm. 
So when my son was five or six, I made him watch Tommy Boy, and he laughed at the <laughs> opening scenes where the you know the, it's Chris Farley as a kid run hit you know hits the oh, yeah, fence yeah. or whatever yeah yeah, and then it progresses, and then the dad dies at the wedding, and then my son, from that point on, my son just stared at the screen and didn't laugh again. And I'm you know I'm always cracking up at that movie right. And right. at the end, I go, "What did you think?" He goes, "That was the saddest movie I'd ever seen," and I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "The dad died." <laughs> <laughs> I was like four minutes in, seven right, minutes in. The right, right. There's a lot that happened after that, son. Did you miss all that? Right. <laughs> so yeah. I just tortured my son for 90 minutes because I made him watch. <laughs> yeah, my daughter's 12. And so I'll, a couple of years ago, we tried to get her to watch. Uh, I, was like, I was thinking about, you know, movies I saw it around her age, which is totally different. I mean, PG then and PG now is completely, you know, night and day. But anyway, yeah. uh, but we, I tried, I started watching Goonies. I mean, that's one of my all time favorite, you know, yeah. movies from the eighties. And she, she resisted the big at the beginning, but she's kind she hung on for a little while. And by the end, she loved it. So I was glad about that one. Then we tried ET like a couple of weeks later, that one didn't go yeah. over as well. Yeah. <laughs> she, she fell asleep like towards the end. We had a neighborhood movie night in, in the back, like, uh, cul-de-sac where they rented a big inflatable and they played et oh yeah and, and you know it was 50 some odd kids pair everybody's out there well it turns out it caused nightmares throughout the neighborhood for these young kids oh with my the alien goodness who they had yeah. never seen yeah so it, yeah it caused like a like a mini <laughs> nightmare pandemic on the- yeah well I, you know i can say that yeah et i remember seeing that in the theater and i remember there are parts of that movie that that creeped me out pretty yeah. bad uh, and even like, and, and it was funny because then when we started watching with my daughter, as it starts playing, I'm like, oh, this scene's going to come up. Ooh, uh, I hope she can handle it. You know, it's like I'm starting to get nervous about what I know is coming, yeah. if she can handle it or not. And so that was the same thing with Gremlins. We started Gremlins and it was fine for the first like 30 minutes. And then like as it started to like turn a little bit more on the horror yeah. side, you know, my wife Tyra looked at me. She's like, are you sure she's ready to see this? And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I was when I saw it at 10, her at 10. No, not going to, not going to happen. So, but the, the, the thing I found most interesting about watch, I've watched 80, 80s movies and lost interest halfway through, you know, recently, like mm-hmm. over the years, I did not with the three amigos. It, it yeah. had me the whole way. Oh yeah. You know, with the three heavy hitters of comedy there. Yes. Yeah. It was refreshing. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump a little bit into uh story origin and pre-production as we do. And of course, if you got anything you want to add or have a comment about, please jump in anytime. All right. So, the film was written by comedian and movie star Steve Martin, Saturday Night Live producer Lorne Michaels, and award-winning singer-songwriter Randy Newman. According to Michaels, Martin approached him with the idea of the film and asked him to co-write it with him. Michaels was in a prime spot to make a big splash in Hollywood, the way SNL stars like Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, and Eddie Murphy would. While taking a break from SNL, he created a Friday night primetime sketch series called The New Show that wound up the third least popular show of the 83-84 season, so movies seemed like a better route. But by spring of 1985, the film was in the middle of filming when NBC executive Brandon Tartikoff called Michaels and asked him to come back to SNL, which was in danger of being canceled. Michaels returned to his creation, abandoning a promising feature film writing career that began and ended with three amigos so i thought that was interesting that he was actually one of the writers uh of the movie of course it has such a heavy snl influence on the movie yeah. for sure yeah when you when you're on snl you are under lauren's um probably contractually for almost anything you do there oh yeah oh yeah and the thing about those credits, we'll never know if Lauren actually had a pen and paper in there with Steve Martin. You know, <laughs> right? A lot of right. these uh, titles in movies and TV shows are given so that they get extra incentive. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Brian Seacrest is the executive producer of the Kardashians. He does mm-hmm. nothing, right? He disco- but he discovered them, right? So it's a way to get him more money outside of his whatever he's getting. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, it would be Steve Martin to me. Gosh, I've read his book biography. I've read his, mm-hmm. uh, seen everything he's done. He's just the epitome of like this generation of comic that blends. It's like uh, physical, smart, silly, mm-hmm. goofy song mm-hmm. and dance. You can't do. I can't get up there on stage now and do a song <laughs> and dance. For Pete's sake. Right, and it just works. It's so 
sometimes it's in your face. Sometimes it's subtle. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Steve Martin is great. And I, I agree with you. It's like, I know I, I read a, a couple of different articles and one was like the, the script actually started in the seventies. Like he got the idea of these performers, you know, that actually got pulled into something that was real. That was the original idea. And he said like the first draft was, a, was full of puns and was really more kind of outlandish than what it became. And so when he showed the script to Michaels, Michael's like, I think you have a good idea, but you need to start from scratch and start over. So it yeah. might've been more his influence more so than his writing in it. I bet. And even with uh, you know Randy Newman, I, I can't imagine Randy Newman wrote any dialogue in this movie, <laughs> but he wrote all the songs uh, in the movie. So that, I think that maybe they kind of gave him that credit as being one of the writers because he wrote songs that were such big parts of the, of the movie. Cause then like, I went back and watched them like, is this a musical? Is it not a musical? I mean, it has musical numbers, sort of, right. you know. So, uh, but the songs are, are fun. And I, that was, as a kid, when I watched it, the songs are some of my favorite parts. Like, I, right. I love the, the scene in the desert when they're, you know, at the, by the campfire and they do a little lullaby for Ned, which is hilarious. Yeah. And the turtle uh, turtle chimes in at the yeah, end. The horses singing back, back up with their little cartoon who, mouths. Who, be, who better to bring a script to than Lorne Michaels in that situation? You oh, know? yeah, yeah. Who's had so much experience putting out the Blues Brothers and all these mm-hmm. other SNL branch off movies? Like, what a great move! Yeah, yeah. The crazy thing is, at one point, Steven Spielberg was actually slated to direct early on, uh, but he chose ET, who we talked about a few minutes ago, uh, yeah. instead. Probably a good good move on his part. But oh yeah. Uh, but if he would have pursued making Three Amigos, he actually wanted Steve Martin, Bill Murray, and Robin Williams to portray Lucky, Dusty, and Ned. So that would have been a very, very different movie for sure. I think so. Well, because, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short are really good, if not best friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they tour to this day. Yeah, which started with this movie. This is is the movie that they got introduced to each other. Yeah, so that chemistry, I don't know if you can replace that as good as Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. Bill Murray. uh, Murray R. Yeah. But they would have brought, I mean, they both of them have their own style of humor yeah. that probably would have, I don't know if it would have gelled as well as these do uh, right. in this one. So, but, uh, but director John Landis was eventually set to take on the film. Of course he had previously directed other hit comedies like national lampoons, animal house in 78, the blues brothers in 80 and trading places in 83. Uh, so there were difficulties between the main actors and Landis during filming most famously, Chevy Chase refused to tell a particular joke that he thought would make his character look like a moron, quote unquote. Chase agreed to the line after Landis threatened to give the line to Martin Short instead. <laughs> and uh, Chevy Chase recalls making a hideous insult about Landis's supposed lack of stunt precautions at a 50 foot cliff in the reference to Landis's ongoing Twilight Zone accidental death trial that was happening around the same time. Uh, Landis overheard it on a live mic and nearly started a fist fight. Uh, Chevy Chase later said that making this movie was, quote unquote, the most fun he'd ever had. So wow. but I think he's kind of gone back and forth on his thoughts on this. Well, movie I think over che- the years. Chevy Chase is notoriously difficult on yeah. set. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've we've covered a few. I've covered two of the vacation movies on the podcast, and that always seems to come up. And that, I just don't get that. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't know him. Right. But right. I mean, right. You're a big movie star. You're funny and talented. Mm-hmm. You have all the opportunities in the world. What's going on in your head? What's wrong with you mentally or going on in your head? Right. Right. You're living the dream, man. Yeah. 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 He's so funny though. I mean, yes. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, that's not, that doesn't, you know, uh, that doesn't cover over how he, if he, you know, how he's treated people or, or the of stories course. that we've heard, but, yeah. but yeah, but even in this one, it's like, he doesn't have a whole lot to do, which it, it you know, he has a, a few funny moments, but he's definitely not the primary, you know, right, the right. primary characters. It's very much Martin's uh, the lead in this one. Yeah. Uh, even though Chase got top, got second billing, but that's because this was Martin Short's first uh, movie role. Right. Which I didn't realize until I was doing the research. So I didn't know that either. He yeah. has my favorite joke in the movie. Or it's more of a discussion amongst them, but I'll, I'll I can share that later. Yeah, go no, go for it. Um, when the three of them get the telegram to yeah. go to that village, the Santa Poco. They, yeah, yeah, and they edited it right because they didn't have enough money. Right, right. Um, 
and they they were going to perform for the infamous El Guapo. Right, right. And they didn't know what infamous was or infamous. Right. And then Chevy Chase says something and then Martin Short's like, no, infamous means he's famous, but he's so famous. He's actually infamous. (laughs) That is, I actually have that down as one of my favorite quotes uh, because I still, whenever I hear the word infamous, even like, not not that it's a very common word, but you'll hear it pop up and I'm like, no, it's not infamous. It's infamous. He's more than famous. He's right. He's infamous. And I just cracked. I paused it. I jotted down my note. I was laughing. Yeah. So it's like, what are you laughing about? I'm like, ah, infamous. Yeah. It's that one and the plethora line with uh, El Guapo. Uh, Would you say I have a plethora of pinatas? Right. (laughs) You know what? And it was what I found striking about that line was I could have sworn that involved the three amigos and the guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And El Guapo. Mm -hmm. But it was just him and his henchmen. Yeah. Yeah. Which, what is a plethora? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. How do you, can you tell? Yeah. Why would you say I have a plethora if you don't know what plethora means? <laughs> that that and that that scene once again screams Steve Martin like that's his yeah. that's his comedy like that that dialogue that smart yeah. dialogue that just you know like and especially back then like you wouldn't see that in a regular like a regular Western like this discussion between yeah you know the 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 the, the head villain and his henchmen having this discussion about what does plethora mean? <laughs> yeah. And I, I have a Steve Martin story. This is coming third hand now. So, okay. you know, Steve Martin's a, an accomplished banjo player. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he tours without Steve, without uh, Martin short in mm-hmm. with his band and plays banjo. Right. And a buddy of mine in St. Augustine, his friend is this sort of um, infamous, if you will, <laughs> banjo player that plays this certain style. And Steve Martin wanted to learn it. And he, Somehow got Steve Martin got in touch with this guy. Right, right. And says, come to New York for a week or however long, stay mm-hmm. near or with me. I want to learn this. And comedians are notoriously socially awkward. And, you know, Steve Martin's sense of humor. So Steve Martin hosts this big dinner at his house and he goes into the kitchen to get and he goes, I hope uh, I'm vegetarian. Hope everybody likes vegetables. <laughs> and when he comes out, it's a plate full of meat. All this different <laughs> Meat. it's just like it's just, it, it's classic steve martin just yeah uh, i love it and now these messages hey did you know that dry bar comedy has its own app download it now to watch save and share clips watch my special it's the best one i think the hardest part traveling and being a comic and it is, it's more about what you eat it's eating healthy and the fast food industry is it's cheap it's right there on the highway so it's hard to resist. It's the only industry in the world, by the way, that could treat you like garbage repeatedly and you still go back. <laughs> Bad experience at a car dealership, insurance company, you don't go back there, but everyone in here has a fast food horror story. Even back to that same location, pretty happy about it. <laughs> I got a Big Mac at the drive-thru, right? Not a hard order, not complicated. There's a couple layers, maybe an assembly line process. Before I get back on the highway, I reach over. It's really thin from my Big Mac experience. I pick it up. Uh, No meat. Yeah, that's a big part of the Mac. The meat. So now I have this dilemma. Do I go back inside and argue for my grade F beef? They actually made the sandwich healthier. I have a Thousand Island lettuce sandwich. (laughs) The answer is yes. You go back inside. (laughs) You talk to the manager, Ted. (laughs) Ted, this is embarrassing for both of us. I got no meat in my sandwich. The response I got from Ted, the manager, with a straight face was, are you sure? No, Ted, this is the big scam I got running right now. I'm stealing patties from fast food places. If you could pick it up, I got 60 in the car. I got a Wendy's to knock off, two exits down. I am the Hamburglar.
All right, well, let's jump into casting since we're already talking about the cast anyway. Yeah. So uh, the production went through many cast changes before filming began. Uh, since he co-wrote uh, the movie, Martin had already been attached to the project since 1980. It was supposed to be him, Dan Aykroyd, and John Belushi are originally going to play the three amigos. Uh, when Aykroyd became unavailable, Chevy Chase replaced him. Then John Candy was set for the role intended for Belushi, as he did in the movie Armed and Dangerous, but it was rumored that he was too large to ride the horse. Other sources claim he had to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts, but we'll see who, you know, which one is which, uh, which is true. But actually, John Candy was the one that recommended Martin Short to Steve Martin, as they had worked together, of course, on SCTV. Short and Martin, as we discussed, became close friends and have continued to perform together, even up till now, like I said, only murders in the building. We've started it. We haven't finished it, but fantastic. Did that you just, see their Netflix special? I did. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. bad, right? It was, yeah. it was sort of the same, you know, shtick that they do. It was funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have, like you said, they have such great chemistry and they they know how to play off each other and yeah. their strengths. Of course, both great with improv. I love I love improv. It's probably my one of my favorite comedy, you know, outlets. I mean, I love stand-up, yeah. but I, improv is is just fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't very good at it when I took acting in high school, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the name. First of all, the names killed me. I totally yes. forgot. Dust, Dusty Bottoms, Lucky Day, and yeah. Ned Nederlander. <laughs> Nederlander, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because I was thinking about it when Lucky, like towards the end of the movie, and I saw Lucky Day. And I was like, you, you've got to be pretty bold as a screenwriter to like, I'm just going to name my main character Lucky Day because yeah. that, that, that works. <laughs> So, I mean, we'll talk about Steve Martin. Uh, His first major role was in the short film, The Absent-Minded Waiter in 1977, which he also wrote. His star value was established in The Jerk in 1979, which was co-written by Martin and directed by Carl Reiner. The film earned more than $100 million on a $4 million budget. He also starred in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid in 82, The Man with Two Brains in 83, and All of Me in 84, all directed by Reiner. He followed up with this movie, and he also appeared in the musical horror comedy Little Shop of Horrors in 86, opposite Rick Moranis. Next year, he starred in Roxanne, co-written by himself, and in John Hughes' Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, which is one of my favorites in 87, with John Candy. Other films include Parenthood in 89 and My Blue Heaven in 1990, both opposite Rick Moranis. And of course, in 91, he wrote and starred in L.A. Story about a weatherman who searches meaning in his life and love in Los Angeles. And uh, so, I mean... We could go. I mean, I could take the whole podcast just doing his credits alone. Yeah, the movies he's been a part of. But uh, I know you're a big Martin fan. So, what is your what's your favorite Steve Martin movie? Do you have? Oh, one? I, um, I, if I recall, My Blue Heaven. Oh yeah. When he he because he has that he plays that Italian accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I dip everybody. It's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's a, that's a forgotten gem of his for sure. You know, because yeah. people don't really talk about My Blue Heaven very much. I remember I went to the theater and saw that because I was such a big Steve Martin fan. And uh, it was great. Yeah. And um, and it was nice to see him later on in his career um, in Parenthood, sort of yeah. playing with a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. You big know, ensemble. Sort of the, still with the comedy, still doing his thing. But it was yeah. more of a widespread cast of mm-hmm. characters, too. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. Yeah. You know, the jerk is so... It's such a huge, you know, movie. Um, I love Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. We've covered that one on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. And then I I'm, I have a sweet spot for uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I love him and Michael Caine. And yeah. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is, is another funny one. But I can't think of a Steve Martin movie I've seen that I didn't like. I mean, that's... Yeah. And that's rare, especially these days, for there to be an actor that has that kind of repertoire that there's not, there's not a really a clunker. I mean, you know... They weren't all as good as other as some, but right. He, he doesn't take too many clunkers that I I can I can recall. Right, anyway. and of course the the big line from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is when they're sharing a bed. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, are you cold? No, I got my hand between these two pillows. Yeah, those aren't pillows. Right. <laughs> classic, classic. Yeah. All right, moving on. We'll talk about Chevy Chase as Dusty Bottoms, as you said, another great. Uh, very very bold name yeah. <laughs> for the writers. So uh, his grandmother gave him the nickname Chevy when he was two years old. Uh, he was a cast member, of course, of Saturday Night Live from its debut until 1976, and then embarked on a highly successful movie career. He scored in the 80s with hits such as Caddyshack in 80 with Bill Murray, Seems Like Old Times, also in 1980 with Goldie Hawn, 
And of course, National Lampoon's Vacation 83, as well as its sequels. And my favorite Chevy Chase movie, which we haven't covered yet. And you wanted to cover Fletch from 1985. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I've is I think Fletch might be my favorite Chevy Chase movie. Yeah, I, I, I it's definitely up there. I'm, I um I think what I like about his characters in those movies is he plays the cool, mm-hmm. smooth talking, but not shyster like, you know, not yeah. like deceptive, but just always has the right mm-hmm. sarcastic thing to say that's funny <laughs> and witty and puts yeah. the person down or without them knowing it. Right, right. <laughs> And then, of course, you know, his physical comedy is kind of his dead. I guess a like deadpan comedy is kind of what a, a lot of people were calling it. Yeah. But uh, one of my <laughs> it's such a it's, it's such a throwaway scene. But one of my favorite scenes in this movie. And I say that I'm laughing now because I've made soft tacos for dinner. But when he's trying to eat the burrito in Three Amigos yeah. and it keeps falling, everything besides Mexican food. It's just but right, right. watching him trying to watch him eat a burrito without closing the end. I I was still laughing out loud. It's that, and I remember I remember laughing at that first time I saw it. I was like, that was so funny. Right, yeah. right. Well, another subtle funny part is when he's sitting with that woman playing the guitar or yeah. holding the guitar, and she yeah. says, "Do you want to kiss me?" And he goes, "Well, yeah." And then he just kind of turns <laughs> and she, he goes, "Oh, now, <laughs> right?" <laughs> yeah. So we could take a walk and you could kiss me and kiss me in the Miranda. He's like, "Well, on the lips will be fine." Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So then, of course, we got Martin Short uh, as Ned Niederlander. Uh, when Short graduated from McMaster University, he intended to pursue a career in social work. However, he became interested in acting once he was cast in a Toronto production of Godspell the same year. Among other cast members of that production cast were Victor Garber, Gilroy Radner, Eugene Levy, Dave Thomas, and Andrea Martin. And Paul Schaefer was the musical director. So that was a pretty big, <laughs> pretty big production. After doing sketch comedy on television for several years, Short got his de- film debut in this, Three Amigos. He followed up that with Inner Space in 87 with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan and Three Fugitives in 89 with Nick Nolte and James Earl Jones. He joined up with Steve Martin again in ni- 1991 for the re- remake of Father of the Bride as well as its sequel. Yeah, did, what did he play in Father of the Bride? Was he the bridal dress person uh he was the ta- was he the tailor no yeah. he wasn't the was he the tailor or he was I, the oh man i don't remember yeah yeah that's one that i haven't seen in a long time but i can't remember if he was the coordinator or if he was the tailor but i yeah. remember him being funny in those movies i don't have a favorite movie of his he didn't stick out as much as martin and chase to me yeah yeah but i always found him funny i was always happy to see him in something mm-hmm. yeah i think inner space is probably my favorite of his i love oh my gosh Interspace. you know what just this I'm sorry to interrupt. Go for it. Um, my favorite of all time that he did uh, was on TV. It was like a little sketch thing where he played this heavy set talk show host, Jiminy Glick or Jimmy Glick. Yes, Jim, yes, 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 yes. Dude, how funny is that? Yeah, because <laughs> didn't they made that into a cartoon eventually? Didn't they? I think so. But that yeah. reminds me. I can't. I got to look that up on YouTube. That was. <laughs> So that reminds me of Zach Galifianakis's between yeah, two ferns. Very much so. Yeah. He definitely borrowed from or he homage. That, you yeah. know, that chin. He's like, How are you, Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> yeah. You know, doing that whole <laughs> it says here you tell jokes on stage. How's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to go back and watch those because I haven't seen those in a long time. But I love when he did was that. Like, did it start as like a guest appearance? Like, he just then was doing that like as a side bit on something, then became I a show. I thought it was on. I thought it was on uh, uh, Comedy Central. It might have been. Yeah, yeah. Back when Comedy Central was really funny. But. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll take a special on Comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, when Comedy Central first hit, and this was probably, or when I knew about it, it was like early '90s, maybe. But it was just yeah. like it was just continuous stand up comedy specials like they had. Yeah. There was like a show that was just clips like what we'd have now is, you know, what you get on satellite radio for, you know, comedy channels or was it clips of specials. I mean, that's how I found a lot of stand up comics back then was just I would just watch Comedy Central all afternoon and watch those, you know, little clips of, of comedians. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I was singing all day today in my head and sometimes out loud. To the behest of my son is my little buttercup, yeah. <laughs> sweetest. And I like when they pause and the bartender's like, "Yeah, smile." Right, right. No, yeah, the part. Yeah, the bartender is great. Yeah, that scene is so funny. 
that scene is so oh. funny. Yeah, and it's funny because I didn't realize, like today when I was saying that that was a song that Randy Newman wrote, I was thinking that that was an actual song like from the 30s or something. Like I thought that yeah. was a song they just did a cover of for the movie. Like, nope, you wrote that. That was completely original for the movie, yeah. which I thought was fantastic. Well, and also the cantina, I wrote this down. So the cantina is called uh, Cantina del Borracho. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what borracho means? Uh, it Drunk, is it like the yeah, drunk, drunk place or something? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like Cantina <laughs> of the Drunks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of those subtle things I, I saw, like, because uh, El Guapo means like the handsome man or something like that. What does it? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Jefe, which is his henchman. And Jefe is Spanish for boss. So it's like your henchman's name is the boss. So he's not even the boss. <laughs> I so, did not know that. Which I'm like, that's, that's hilarious. That's Steve Martin. That's just those little, those little subtle things that, that you right. wouldn't pick up on. That's just super smart. Super that's smart. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, speaking of El Guapo, he was played by Alfonso Arau. Hope I'm saying that name correctly. So he's acting in a number of Mexican and Hollywood films, including The Wild Bunch in 69, El Topo in 70, Mojado Power in 81. So he did a lot of uh, Westerns. He was also in Used Cars in 1980. And then what I remembered him from before this was Romancing the Stone in 84. Remember Romancing the Stone at all? No, I don't remember him at all. Yeah, he was the guy. They 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 end up at like the little, like the mansion out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. And uh, he opens the door. And what I remember, and I haven't seen Romancing the Stone in a long time. I need to rewatch it. But uh, they're like, we're looking for a, a car. He's like, well, I don't have a car, but I have uh, my horse, Peppy, or whatever. And the next scene is he's driving like a, a Toyota truck, like a little small, uh, like pickup truck. And that was, he named, named it Pepe or something like that. So, <laughs> but it's, it's like a really small role, but it was pretty significant. But uh, of course, it's totally different in this. The funny thing is in 1970, he made a Mexican film called Tres Amigos. So this oh, is his second, his second movie <laughs> uh, called Three Amigos. What about, um, you know, what was great to see Phil Hartman? Yes. Phil, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, that's, that's one of the things where it's like, it's great to see him and it makes you sad at the same time because what I a talent. This, same exact thing yeah. because he played, um, the way he delivered his lines was the same way he delivered his mm-hmm. lines. And so I married an ex murderer when he was the, uh, <laughs> the prison guard tour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the tour guide for Alcatraz. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. My yeah. name is so-and-so, but you can call me Becky. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was, uh, and then John Lovitz. And then mm-hmm. the guy who played the producer. Yeah. Joe Manteng, Joe Mantegna. I said, we'll say his name Mon- wrong. Montagna. Montagna. Yeah. But he's criminal minds. Yeah, exactly. He's Rossi on criminal minds. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shows. I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, I wanted, I wanted more of Phil, Hart- Phil Hartman in that yeah. movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wanted all, more of all of them because, I mean, it's such a great, great scene. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Patrice Martinez as Carmen. Of course, she was kind of the love interest, the female that got the whole thing started. Right. Uh, she's an American actress of Mexican descent. And uh, she's been in a couple of movies. Convoy in 78 with Chris Christopherson was her first movie. Real small. But uh, what I thought was interesting, she was selected as Tom Selleck's love interest in Magnum P.I., and of all of his leading ladies, she was the only one asked back to reprise her role in the final episode. Ooh. Yeah. So she was only, she didn't do a whole lot of movies. The only other movie that she did after this one was Beetlejuice. It was a small, she was like the receptionist. It was like a really oh, small wow. role. So she didn't have like a long career and she passed away, I think in 2018. So she's, uh, so that's kind of sad when I found that out. Yeah. But, Wow. But, but she was great. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I saw her, I was like, she had to have been in a lot of other things. And then when I did the research, she really wasn't, which I was kind of, kind of shocked by. Yeah. She did a good job. I mean, she did her role. She's pretty. She mm-hmm. played it right. Yeah. But going back to you mentioning, of course, the uh, Phil Hartman and John Lovitz. So, of course, they were Saturday Night Live members at the time. But on December 6th, 1986, they reunited with Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Chevy Chase when they all hosted. Saturday Night Live for that weekend to promote the movie. And of course, Randy Newman was the musical guest. So Lauren Michaels is like, yeah, I'm part of this movie. I'm putting everybody on this episode of Saturday Night Live. So what a great idea. I'm going to, I'm at the, you know, I'm going to have to find that episode on Peacock or on YouTube or wherever to watch that again. So for sure, that would be great. And I, I, I didn't write it down, but I read talking about playing jokes because there was, conflicting stories of whether it was a practical joke or whether it was planned, but supposing the opening 
when they all the when they all come out at the beginning to do the the monologue or the opening of the show, uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short both came out in like suits, but Chevy came out in his Three Amigos costume because <laughs> the 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 rumor is they were playing a practical joke on Chase and told him, "Hey, we're all going to come out in our Three Amigos costumes," but didn't tell him they decided to change and oh, come wow. in regular clothes. So, uh, so I, I definitely want to see that scene now to see. Yeah, see if we can see any subtle eye contact or facial expressions. Right. And now, these messages. Comic books have been around for almost a century, and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. (sighs) What seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture-themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR! But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. All right, well, let's talk about favorite scenes, iconic scenes. So when you when somebody says Three Amigos, what is the first scene that pops in your mind? Well, of course, anytime they do, we are the Three Amigos. <laughs> yeah. Do the, you know, the shoulder, shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, that always comes up. Yeah. And a friend of mine we were talking about the other day is like, as a kid, I always thought they made like a grunt sound when they, the last part, but they're really coughing. Like if you watch it, they're like, <clears throat> it's more of a cough, not like a <laughs> kind of a, you know, which I I just thought when I watched it again today, I was like, that's right. They're really not. Yeah. It is more of a cough, which once again, makes no sense. Neither did the other one, but it was still funny. And I think the scene, so one of my favorite scenes, and this is sort of a, uh a long play on comedy that I find hilarious mm-hmm. is when the three of them swing into El Guapo's compound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And Martin short is the only, only one that gets caught on a pinata. <laughs> right. He just stays there. Stays there. On with one <laughs> and his feet are in the pinata. And so he's above it all. Right. He's above it all for like 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 And not making a sound and they're firing their guns up in the air and all this stuff <laughs> is going on. It's just a, it's a very funny to me. Like he just, they just left him there. He's just there. And I love it because, you know, Chase gets like, he goes in the bedroom, but keeps sliding all the way into like the wardrobe or whatever. Then shorts is like Martin shorts is too short. So he ends up in the pinata. And then I love Steve Martin. It just hits the ground and just drags in the, in the, in the sand, which still cracked me up. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yeah, um, and then that that same scene, Chevy Chase dresses up as one of the yeah. El Papo's men, and yeah. <laughs> he just keeps going on and on. Like, where do I know you from? He's like, oh, the village, and right. what else? And he keeps going on. Yeah, on. yeah. Great so that stuff. scene is is definitely my my favorite. It's hard to pick a favorite for this one. Like I said, I mentioned the the campfire scene, which I think is is great, and uh, just a little bit of trivia for that scene. So I, I was thinking about it today when they're eating the bat. You know, you need to finish their bat. And I was like, did that was that jerky? But it was fried bacon they put on skewers. So that was they were okay. actually eating fried bacon, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the the My Little Buttercup is brilliant. Yes, and, yes. Um, the commitment and the fact that the whole bar thinks that they're the assassins that the yes. villains warned them about is yeah. perfect. <laughs> right. One of my favorite uh, Chevy Chase lines in the movie was someone said something in Spanish. I think it was nada. Or something mm-hmm. it was a sentence yeah. and an end of oh, yeah, nada. Yeah. And, yeah. and he goes, What does nada mean? He's like, I think it's a light chicken gravy. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh and you know, so as going you know, talking about the uh, the salute, the three Migo salute. So as a kid, after my me and our friends saw that, that was you know, that was something of course we were gonna copy and yeah. do over and over again. 
And another line that we copied over and over again was, you dirt-eating piece of slime, you scum-sucking pig, you son of a motherless goat. Right. <laughs> and then some, at some point in the movie, Steve Martin tells El Guapo, yeah. tell us that, tell us that, uh, we'll that you're going like to kill dogs. us like dog. Yeah. yeah, and then like when they're all shooting around, and uh, he's like, I like them, they're funny, just kill one of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but when he, then, Steve Martin gets shot for real, mm-hmm. he said like, they're using real. He goes, "Let me see that bullet." <laughs> yeah. The realization there is is so is so great because it's like when he goes and he feels the guy's, you know, his uh, I guess bullet belt that's on his or shoulder strap or whatever, and then it's like the you see the almost you see the light bulb go off over his head. It's like oh. Yeah, this is not a show. We're we're really in trouble, right? Uh, when and then, <laughs> and then they're and they're all he's like, this isn't this is real. They're gonna kill us, and they all start like they're crying. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what? Why am I in Mexico? And Seymour's <laughs> like, I've been shot already. <laughs> at the end, another great line is at the end when it's it looks like the lead female and Steve Martin have a love interest. Yes, yes. And he goes, I'll come back for you. And she goes, why would you come back? Why? (laughs) Yeah, that's one of those lines, like, I've seen it so many times when I watched it today, like, I wasn't expecting it. So when she said it, I mean, I laughed like it was the first time I'd heard it. It was such a great, right? it's, you know, it's it's those subtle jokes that, like, you think you know where it's going. And then it's like, nope, I'm taking a left turn and and give you something else, which just just makes it even more, even, even more great. Oh, man. Yeah. So many great scenes. Did you like the the silent film they did at the beginning when they when they introduced him at the first time? Yeah, the heavy makeup. Yeah, um, yeah, the lipstick and whatnot, and yeah, just the silliness of the woman thinks it's a real, it's like yeah, the real thing. Yeah, that these people are actually doing it, and uh, I like how because they they mime it and then they show the words, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. which I imagine it was like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then and. Uh, yeah, and it was just silly, and and then the woman's like, "Oh, these these men can help us." <laughs> yeah. yeah, what I what I thought cool was about the silent movie is like it was almost it's well done. I'll give Landis some credit on this because he shot it really well. Where it's like it's showing you how fake it all looked. Of course, then you know, of course, now seeing it's like, of course, it's fake. But even it's like you have to do it even more, like take it to that just a little bit beyond. You know, we know it's yeah. fake, but let's just show it a little bit more, like the breaking of the. Uh, when they shoot him from the from the top and the banister like splits completely even like it it's yeah. you know it's a clean cut yeah and, it's been uh, sawed <laughs> yeah and then even like when when Dusty and them are or the close up of is it Dusty or no it might be Ned when he's he's doing the pistol uh, twirling in his his holster and it's a close up shot you don't see him doing it so right. you know, and you know it's the stunt man when they all ride off at the end they're all like twice as big as the actual you know actors so. Those little yeah, things you, I thought you, were funny. And they call back to the stuntman thing when they're at the end of the movie, when they're yeah. running away from Guapo in the plane, because Martins had said, I flew a plane in a movie. Yeah. And then they get to it and he's like, well, my stuntman did. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure I can figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's hit a few trivia things and then we'll start wrapping this, this puppy right. up. I thought this was great. Steve Martin actually learned the lasso tricks he does in the movie while working in a magic shop at Disneyland when he was a teenager. I knew that. I knew yeah. if you, I would highly, I'm trying to, I have my book collection over here. I'm trying to see if I can read, read his biography. It's, it's, uh, it's a fairly short read, but it's a, mm-hmm. really worth it. And okay. It talks about his, his, his start in magic. Yeah. I know, I know I read talking about him working at Disneyland helped him really know how to work an audience and, and become multifaceted in his, how to entertain people. Like it wasn't just a one he yeah. wasn't a one trick pony. I mean, he, like you said, he played banjo, he juggled, he, you know, improv, all that kind of stuff. So he kind of honed those skills. Yeah. Uh, sure. Working there. So, oh, going back to like the little subtle things, which I thought this was hilarious. So when the three amigos freeze while they're trying to sneak into El Guapo's fortress, which is another great scene, the two guards who pass by are actually discussing a recipe in Spanish. So that's what they're speaking in Spanish. They're talking about some recipe. <laughs> they're literally like four feet to the guards left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they just freeze, like, you know, it's like, like a four-year-old playing hide and seek. Yeah, exactly. Like, can't, if I don't move, they can't see me, right? right. Uh, so this was fun. This is not. This is kind of after the movie, but I thought this was a cool little little note. Uh, on a celebrity edition of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Martin Short and Chevy Chase were two of the ten celebrity contestants and remained the final two to be in the hot seat. 
when Short was in the hot seat phoning a friend, he called Steve Martin, who was actually in Mexico during the call. So I thought that was pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty great. So probably well planned as well. Did, so did you ever see the episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire where the guy won? He was on the last the million dollar question. And he said, I want to phone a friend. He called right. his dad to tell yeah. him, I don't need, I don't need your help. I just want you to know I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. That was so great. Yeah. That's, that's one of those great moments in TV history for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. So this movie did have some deleted scenes. We talked a little bit about early that, you know, when, at the, when the film was in its editing process, Landis was actually on trial uh, for the Twilight Zone incident. And if people don't know about that incident, I'm not going to cover it on this podcast. We we talked about it in some other movies, but you can you can Google it. It's not a great story, and it's not something I really feel like retelling, to be honest. But right. uh, but basically, he had edited. He had to work at night to do the editing. He gave a final edit to Orion, and then they ended up cutting a lot more uh, for the final product. So he kind of lost control of the final edit of the film at the end. But it's got a running time of, time of 104 minutes, but it could have been much longer had John Landis filmed everything in the script and kept everything he filmed. According to Steve Martin, one scene was too costly to shoot. He said, we got buried up to our necks by some weird tribe. I clear my throat and announce, if you don't set us free, I'm going to make the sun go dark. Then the sun does darken, which would have been a pretty expensive shot. Talking about our friends from Saturday Live, Phil Hartman and John Levitz. There was also a detailed opening number set in the 1910s Hollywood. I think this is also Martin's talking. He said, we did a very elaborate tracking shot following the, Amigo, the Amigos as they walked to the studio head's office past open air stages where things were being filmed. There was a jungle epic, a pie fight, a contemporary melodrama. And then finally, the dueling cavalier with Fran Drescher in a Marie Antoinette costume swooning over her lover. Uh, that's Landis was talking about that. Sadly, mm-hmm. all of that was deleted from the final cut. So the scene where like one of my favorite scenes we got talked about was uh, when they're trying to sneak back in the studio and Martin is doing all the bird calls. Yeah. And it's the look up here. Look up here. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. You know, so that's and he's, so like, he's eight feet above. Yeah, exactly. He's right above there. And they're just like looking at like can't hear anything in the background. But the billboard that he's standing in front of is the movie uh, that that was in that initial scene, the dueling oh. cavalier. And it's supposed to be like a picture of Fran Drescher. And so she supposedly had a longer subplot at that beginning where she was a kind of a dueling. uh, She had been in Westerns, but had now broken out into other more, you know, uh, contemporary movies. And so she was kind of like a antagonist for them on the movie side business. But all that got cut out from the from the final edit. Yeah. So but another big one. I don't know if you were a Sam Kinison fan from the 80s. So he did a cameo as a savage mountain man wearing chicken bones with a bloody axe in each hand. Steve and uh, Marty were caught in his trap and kept shouting at Chevy to shoot him. Director Landis told Empire Magazine, it was very funny and insane. But sadly, the footage didn't make it into the final cut. Believe it or not, Kennison and Chase didn't get along. And according to late comedian's brother, Bill, Kennison believed Chase actually forced Landis to delete the scene. Landis, however, has a more reasonable explanation. He said, the film was just too long and I was looking for stuff I could lift without damaging the plot. He says, I wish we could find that footage though, because it was outstanding. So, Oh wow. That would have been cool. Yeah. I, when I, when I read that, I was like, man, you know, of course back then they weren't making DVDs for with deleted scenes. All that stuff just gets, you know, literally hits the cutting room floor and then gets swept off into some trash can somewhere. So, uh, so that, that footage is gone. I, I would, love for someone to find that in some archive somewhere that would be fantastic yeah. but but yeah uh, so i was i was like man kennison and that would have that would have been a great cameo even if they would have kept it yep. even if it made it too long i don't care i would have taken a kennison cameo right, there right those are very cool and now these messages what's up dudes i'm jerry d of totally rad christmas the podcast that talks all things christmas in the 80s toys movies specials music books fashion and fads if it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever 
like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagney with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant with the Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes! So any other scenes you want to uh, mention before we jump into box office? No, I think that's it. I think I covered it all. I really can't tell you how much I enjoyed watching it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a great watch. It's, I mean, it's one of those that you can, it's a great comedy that you, that you can still go back to, which is, which is what you want. All right, let's talk about box office. So three amigos opened in theaters on December 12th, 1986. It opened in second place behind the other new release for the weekend. The Golden Child, starring Eddie Murphy. It seemed like a natural candidate for a sequel as Lucky Day, Dusty Bottoms, and Ned Niederlander would have embarked on all kinds of Western-style adventures. But according to director John Lannis, sequel thoughts ended, he said, as soon as it didn't do well. It only took in $39 million in theaters, a surprisingly low figure for a film with big stars like Chevy Chase and Steve Martin. But the film became an enduring favorite thanks to home video and cable TV airings over the years. So... Yeah, I was kind of surprised that it wasn't as it didn't make as much money as I thought it would have. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember because it, it came in second. I, remember, I I didn't put it in my notes, but it got beat pretty badly by The Golden Child. The Golden, the Golden Child, Child was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's another great 80s movie for sure. Yeah. And, and it was gonna be tough, especially then it was gonna be tough to, to beat Eddie Murphy at the box office, no matter yeah. who you put up put him up against so but rotten tomatoes uh has it at 45 percent on the tomato meter with a 67 percent audience score which is horrific and imdb gave it a 6.5 out of 10 with a 52 on metacritic so I'm, i think we're both not agreeing with <laughs> yeah <laughs> with of these. course right yeah uh I mean, it's, it's not a 10 no um, no but you know it's in that seven to eight and a half nine range yeah to me, I think. yeah yeah i was gonna say it's I, you know, I grade my stuff by rewatchability. Like there, I'm sure there are better movies that have been I mean, there. There are phenomenal movie makers that make our great art and I'm not taking anything away from them, but when I'm rating a movie, I rate it. Am, am I going to, if, if you put this and, you know, this and another movie up, up next to each other and say, which one do I want to watch right now? I'm going to want to watch the one that's rewatchable that I can watch a million times and still find things that are right. funny in it. So this mm-hmm. is one of those rewatchables for me. So it's, it's in the high eights you know, kind of eight, yeah. eight, eight, nine for me, because I've every, anytime I've popped it into to watch it again, I've enjoyed it. And it, you know, the gags don't get old. Not for me anyway. I agree. I'm, I agree with you. I'd watch it again. I may watch it again. It needs to come on a free, it needs to come on yeah. free. Yeah. It's one of those. And I'm, I'm noticing that now more like the last couple of movies, like when Harry met Sally, we did last time that was on HBO max. That was good. But, uh, we did Better Off Dead a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. that one's not on a streaming platform anywhere either. And so it's like some of these like great 80s movies that maybe weren't box, quote unquote, box office hits that were still good movies that you can't really find on the streaming services any, anymore. I, I noticed that and this may be coincidence. This may be algorithm. This may be intentional. But with Steve Martin and Martin Short and having that successful show on Hulu, I wonder yeah. if they're charging. So I've seen it where uh tom cruise's new mission impossible is coming out in the movie mm-hmm. theater his movies used to be free right right now they're th- two three four bucks and oh then yeah they'll yeah. be free eventually again yeah yeah and that's for every true. so it's I, you know because people are like oh let's watch some of his old movies right now i gotta pay for them they were free yeah. three months ago yeah oh you're right i've seen that too for sure they, they, they want those dollars it's all about that's the how they get you some <laughs> grandparents used to say yeah <laughs> Well, Danny, man, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being a part. Please tell everybody uh, where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, but I will say this, please go find his comedy special uh, on Dry Bar Comedy. I know there's clips of it on YouTube. That's yeah. where I've seen parts of it. But but just tell us where they can find you and uh, get, get, get see more of your stand-up. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, both of my social media accounts, Facebook and Instagram, are comedian Danny Johnson. I'm always posting tour dates, funny clips and whatnot. Um, uh, my website's dannyjohnson.com, which is odd. I bought that thing 20 years ago and still have it. <laughs> but you can watch my full special for free. So my full dry bar comedy special is 
40 minutes long and you, you could probably most easily find it on YouTube. So if you just search Danny Johnson, dry bar comedy, full special, there it is, but it's available on countless platforms where mm-hmm. it's streaming. And like I said, I just got an email recently. It's going to spread to both audio and video platforms. So Spotify and Amazon and, and all this. So uh, even if you don't like it, just play it and then play it on a loop so that my royalties keep coming in and whatnot. But it's family friendly. You can watch it, listen to it, not worry about any kind of content. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently working on my new hour of comedy material. So, um, you know, I have upcoming dates in Fleming Island. Uh, I think this will be uh, that's this Friday. So this will air after that, but, um, then Hilton head, South Carolina for two dates, the 18th and 19th. So I'm all, I try to be all over churches, common, you know, corporate events, um, wherever they want me. It's a pleasure not only catching up with you, but yeah. to be on this, I enjoyed it a lot. I would do, I would love to do it again in a different movie down the road. Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely have you back. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you so much, Danny, for being a part is absolute pleasure. But, uh, uh, make sure that you uh, follow us on social media. Make sure you follow Danny on social media. And just like you said, so as soon as this finishes, go to YouTube, watch his dry car, dry bar comedy special, then listen to this podcast again. So I get more listens and then watch his special again. So just, it should be a whole weekend of Danny Johnson, you know, podcast, then YouTube special, then podcast, then dry bar comedy special. Just let it keep going. So, but thanks everybody. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we have a few ways for you to do just that. One way is to send us an email to movieviewspodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message through the Anchor app. You can find the link to leave a voice message in our episode show notes. Hey, and while you're there, be sure to check out the episode show notes to find more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into today's episode. Well, that's all for now. Join us again next time for another 80s flick flashback. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.